We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Her Hoop Stats fans, welcome to another episode of the Her Hoop Stats Unplugged podcast. As always, you're here with Megan Gower. I know typically we keep things pretty light and fun on this podcast, but we just wanted to start it out this week on a more serious note. Um, you might have noticed that we released this episode a little later than we typically do. As a team at Her Hoop Stats, we decided to pause our regular scheduled content to honor the WNBA player's decision not to play this week. On Wednesday, we saw the players in the W, as well as leagues across the country, decide not to play in protest of the most recent police shooting of Jacob Black. The WNBA has been on the forefront of this fight for social justice for years. They've dedicated their entire season to the Black Lives Matter movement and Breonna Taylor and the many other Black women and men who have lost their lives at the hands of police violence. We just wanted to take a minute to um, in the spirit of Neka Gumake's speech the other day on SportsCenter talking about it being a time for remembrance but also a time for informed action encourage our listeners to all do something to support what these players are fighting for off the court whether that be listening to the phenomenal woman in the league and their experience and their um, perspectives on this issue um, taking time to elevate black voices and educate yourself and those around you, registering to vote, protesting, donating if you can, um, just kind of looking at everything going on in our country right now, trying to find a way to help um, spread the message off the court that these players are elevating their platforms by playing this year and using that platform to encourage everyone to do. So without further ado, we're going to switch back to our regular scheduled content um, got a great episode planned for you here today, and I'm joined by two members of our Her Hoops as team, Richard Cohen and Clay Callum. Hey, Richard. Hey, Clay. How's it going? Good. 
Hey, good. Excited to have you both on. Um, you now we've got some kind of fun stuff planned today with talking about if there was an all-star game, you know, who would have been the all-stars for this season. Obviously, with this you know, t- shortened 2020 season, there's no all-star game. There wouldn't have been, I guess, anyway, given that we would have had the Olympics in the middle of the season if it had been a normal 2020. But still kind of fun to talk about, you know, at the midway point of the season, what players are really impressing and kind of would get that all-star status was it available this year. Yeah, I always find the discussion about who would have made an all-star team far more interesting than the actual game when they get there to play. The <laughs> That's, I, I generally hate all-star games. I, I don't even watch them. But I think, like you say, the making an all-star team is really good. I think they should, you know, announce the all-star teams and then have them play darts or something. I mean, would be more fun. <laughs> I would tune in for that, yeah. Yeah, Tarassi versus Griner at darts. Yeah, that would work. I'd watch that. Um, I do have one thing to say. I feel I'm at a serious disadvantage here because I don't have an English accent. So, you know, Richard's going to be ahead of me any time it comes down to that. Well, it doesn't come with many advantages. So if that works out, then that works fine with me. <laughs> Yeah, I think <laughs> agreed that, you know, the Ulster games themselves tagging to lack the excitement, but I do like talking about the teams themselves. And then um, I also think we're probably breaking a record for number of time zones on our Hoops Sets podcast today. <laughs> UK, East Coast, and West Coast, so all over the place. So it's exciting. <laughs> we need to add an Australian at some point, then we can stress <laughs> <laughs> that's I would be a scheduling nightmare, I'm sure, but it would be pretty cool. <laughs> that, would, that would be cool. We can, maybe we can get uh, Luke from uh, Rebkel on board sometime. That would be fun. <laughs> All right, so you guys. Is a <laughs> so do you guys want to kind of jump into it? I don't know. I know you guys kind of have done a ton of research. I'm just gonna sit back. I've done, done some <laughs> research. <laughs> Right, I, I finished like you know five minutes before we started. So, <laughs> well, I feel like we sh- we should explain the format of the teams first because they've changed this so many times over the years. Um, and I mean, what I suggested was using the same format that was used last year, which was they completely ignored conferences because they basically dismantled conferences in this league at this point. So there are. There were four guard starters and six front court starters. And then they went to three guards, five front court, and four anything you like for the bench. Mm-hmm. So the first thing we need to do is decide who are gonna who's gonna start. Um yeah, I sort of broke it down uh, east and, and west, um, but it's still gonna work. I mean east is really, really weak, so um that 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 makes it makes it hard. But do you want to just start and name what uh, the eight front uh, guard starters? Uh, I'm sorry, the the we'd have four guard starters, top four guards in the league. Yeah, I mean, I have to admit, I found the guards much harder than the front court. I found it much harder to find guards that I wanted to put on the team. Exactly. 
I feel like it's always that way, right? Even, like, if you look at, like, NBA All-Stars, I always have this, like, list of, like, all these people in the front court that are should be on the list, and the guards are always harder to place. Well, and then we have the position issue. Now, what do we do with uh, Benaya Laney? Is she a guard or is she a forward? I, I would call her a front court player because she's a natural three to me. But, I, yeah, I think you could argue she could go in either spot if you wanted her to. Yeah, I, I agree. I think she's a she's a three. I think Alicia Clark is uh, clearly a three. So they're they're in the front court group. Um, and really, though, we run into our first serious question. Sue Bird has played seven games. Is she even considered for this list, or is that not enough? Personally, I crossed uh, Bird off, Fowles off, Ariel Powers off, because they just. They played too little. They basic. They played barely half of their team's games, and to me, that's that's too low. Right, and I agree with you, except for the fact that Sylvia Fowles has really been so dominant. Um, but when we get to the front court, we can throw her into the discussion. But I, I, I'm uh, I'm with you on that. We'll uh, cross Bird off and uh, just sort of jump into it there. There, uh, it is sort of difficult. I mean, I think Courtney Vandersloot's on the team. Bang. Yes. There we go. That was easy. I had one. I had one other definite at guard to start, and that would be Diana Tarassi. Yeah, yeah. You look at you know you think oh she's old and she has these games where she doesn't play, but then you look at the numbers and go hold it. Absolutely. Yes. I feel like Tarasi might have some strong words too, calling her old. But <laughs> no, but but she's had these games this season where where she barely started involving herself in in the action until like the end of the third quarter or the start of the fourth. But then you look at the numbers and she's she's unavoidable. She's a very obvious starter in this theoretical all star game. There, there's there's no competition. Right, and she's playing 28.6 minutes a game. She's playing more minutes than Jewel Lloyd. So she's got to pace herself. I mean, let's face it, she's not 25 anymore. Yeah, Um, I mean, and also the amount of time she gets to the free throw line makes up for any of the other sort of lacking in some of the stats elsewhere as well. She even though she doesn't actually drive to the hoop all that much anymore, she still manages to get to the line a ridiculous amount. And, yeah, the numbers are overwhelming. Well, and there's a sort of another thing about All-Star Games, too. If you actually had an All-Star Game, there's the whole fan involvement, and there would be nothing better than for her to be introduced in food by half the stadium. I mean, that's <laughs> the whole thing. So, yeah, those two, that's great. Uh, now what? Um, well, I ended up with, I did have a clear number three, I admit, in the end, which was Arike Ogunbowale. You know, this isn't going to be full of a lot of drama if this keeps on, because I'm at 100%. <laughs> I mean, you can't ignore 21 and a half a game. Um, and and it's, uh, also, it's also about the, the load that Dallas have put on her. She, even in just the second season, she has such a huge responsibility carrying so much of, of the load for that team. They ask her to be their primary scorer. A lot of the time they ask her to run the offense. And yeah, I, 
and she's doing it pretty efficiently as well for someone who a lot of the time looks like she's not looking for much other than her own shot <coughs> her own shot on the floor she still manages to be pretty efficient when you end up when you actually look at the the detailed numbers well, yeah, she's averaging 3.3 assists a game, and her assist turnover ratio is 54 assists to 33 turnovers. So you think of her as a gunner, but again, she's got more assists per game than Jewel Lloyd, um, you know, than, than uh, Ariel Atkins. She has more assists in games than uh, Leisha Clarence. So, uh, yeah, I think number three, she fits right there. And ladies and gentlemen, that's the only time we're going to bring up the New York Liberty in this entire podcast. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, it's a pretty good college team. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, number four gets to go over to you because I was hoping someone could convince me over who the fourth guard starter was going to be because I'm not sure even at this point. I, uh, yeah, I'm going to say, I, I, I have to go with this. This is a, a sort of a surprise, but I, I, and I hate to say this, Megan, you're going to love it. I think Bria Hartley's got to be right in the discussion here. Oh, I know. Possibles. Yeah. I, I, don't know if I would have her this high. I admit that I heavily criticised that contract when Phoenix gave it to her. And I still maintain that I was right. And she's going to come back down to earth and already has done to a certain extent, to be honest. Of course, I agree. But right now, you look at those numbers and you tell me who is better. 15 for a game. 4.8 assists, great assist turnover ratio, you know, 37% from three, uh, adequate defender. Um, I, you know, uh, okay, Kalia Copper, I guess you could say. Um, uh, again, we get into a guard front court discussion there because she's three all season. I would put her as a front court player. Yeah, she averages 2.5 rebounds a game, so it doesn't seem to me she's really a front court player. And I know they they play her at the three, but that's really a three guard offense. She's 40% three point shooter. Um, you know, I, I yeah, you could you could say she's out of there, but then <laughs> who's left in the back court? I'm gonna jump in here because I kind of agree with Richard. I think that maybe Bria Hartley's an all star. I don't know that she's an all star starter, but I don't know. A couple names that I would have just off the top of my head thought might be in that conversation would be obviously Jewel Lloyd, um, yep. Ariel Atkins, maybe Jordan Canada. Were those oh you, you you don't want to get me started on Jordan Canada? <laughs> Gotta say she's not on my list even okay. for the bench. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't even twitch and think okay. about her. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, my my top three on the guard bench, so one of these would probably be the one that I would move into the starting lineup if I had to pick somebody, were Lloyd, Quigley, and Kelsey Mitchell. Yeah, I, I think that th- those, those three all qualify. Um, yeah, it's 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 just really really difficult. Um, 
Yeah, it's it, it's it's hard. I, I look at Ariel Atkins and uh, you know, yeah. My only pro- my the thing with Atkins is that I've been looking for her and waiting and hoping she would take on more responsibility on the court. This is obviously she made a wonderful speech the other night in terms of being a leader for the team, but on the court she still looks like a supportive role player when they've needed her to be more this season without all the players that they're missing in Washington. And she did, she hasn't looked like she's been able to step up. I'm not convinced that she really deserves this spot based on what we've seen this year. I I would, I would, I would probably have to agree with that. I look at Jewel Lloyd and, and, you know, it's not that she's not a good player or anything, but I just look at her and I think, She's the fourth best guard in the WNBA. <laughs> it just makes me stop and pause. she's a really good player. I, I don't want to say that, but she's shooting 42% from the field, 35% from three. Her ATO is 44-27, which is ordinary. Um, and I mean, she's a pretty good defender, but it's not like, you know, she just jumps out at me as, oh, my God, Jewel Lloyd is just, I, I want her on my team. So, yeah, I know what you mean. I my impression of her is always she's really good, but couldn't there be more there? That, yeah, you're it's a, again someone you want to see a little bit more from than you actually get, which is part of what you know. Do you think does Kelsey Mitchell deserve to be that? Because again, like with Agumboale, she takes on a heavy load for her team. Yeah. Um, I, I- I like Kelsey Mitchell too, except for the 38 assists and 37 turnovers. And I mean, if you're a backcourt player, I mean, that'd be okay for a post player. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know, and I'm not expecting her to be a passing demon because like you say, the role for her is she's supposed to score. Yeah. And she's doing that very effectively this season. But still every once in a while, um, I mean, you, 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 you have to be a little more efficient, I think, than that with the ball in your hands. Um, and she's, of the two, I think Lloyd is a superior defender. Um, Absolutely, yes. But let I, I do want to do a little digression on measuring defense because that should be a factor here, but there's no real way to determine defensive value. Um, the defensive ratings are nice, but... You know, that, that it's really, really difficult. I mean, we can agree Lloyd is a better defender than Mitchell, but why do we say that? Yeah, I, we still don't have great stats for defense, absolutely. Um, I mean, we can certainly say that Lloyd is playing nearly 30 minutes a night for the best defense in the league, whereas Kelsey Mitchell is playing 35 minutes a night for the worst defense in the league, which right. certainly doesn't... Which, pushes you one direction more than the other but, exactly. but otherwise it's mostly from watching just watching the games and trying to see who's in the right place most frequently who doesn't get constantly beaten off the dribble but yeah it's 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 not easy i agree and so i'm gonna bring up a couple of things because i did a pretty close look at um seattle and scouted a couple of games and now sue bird who technically has a better defensive rating than the, than, um, 
Mitchell, when they played Connecticut, Connecticut put Bria Holmes on her, and the first time, five times down the floor, they had Holmes, they cleared out essentially Holmes and to work on Bird. They just attacked her every time. And um, so you would say, well, Bird's, you know, starts and plays all these minutes on a, on a, the best defensive team in the league, but they're just going to assault her as soon as she gets on the court. She's still really good at the offensive end, but but she's certainly not the defensive player she was. And then you talk about Jordan Canada. If you watch Canada, she and that's a, the, the defensive statistic weakness, is she has steals because she plays poor positional defense in order to get more steals. And so she'll give up a layup and she'll get a steal. Well, the, yeah, the old gambling issue, yeah. Yeah, so, so I mean, and there's so much that goes into defense. But in any event, I, I think we can, you know, eye test-wise and team-wise, Jewel Lloyd's a better defender than Kelsey Mitchell. So I think she, you know, she's going she's gonna to win that battle. Um, the other player, and again, Allie Quigley is the fourth best guard in the WNBA. Yeah, but sometimes someone has to be number four because you can't come up with anyone else to be above them. <laughs> Right. Whether you think they should be number four or not. She would probably be the one I would go. She and Lloyd would be the two that I would say, all right, one of you two is going to wind up as that fourth starting guard. And you sort of look at them and you can say, well, Quigley's a better shooter. And our eye test would say Lloyd is a better defender. Um. Quigley doesn't have the opportunity to pass the ball as much because she's playing with Vandersloot. And when Bird doesn't play, Lloyd is going to do a little more initiation of the offense. So, hey, you got me. Lloyd has 1.5 steals per game. How's that? <laughs> Works for me. Yeah. I, I don't know. I guess... Okay, this is what I'm going to say. Jewel Lloyd is number four because Seattle's the best team and we don't have a Seattle player. Uh, I think there's going to be at least one in the front court, but yeah. (laughs) For sure. But but hey, here we go. We got Jewel Lloyd. I I think Seattle, the the team does come into play at some point. Yeah, that's fair. One more name that I think a lot of people probably would have expected to hear in this conversation that we haven't talked about at all is Chelsea Gray. Did you guys think about her in that spot at all? She's in my bracket options for the bench, certainly. Well, she's shooting 20.7% from three. Yeah, the numbers don't favor her once you start to look into the stats and and then the advanced stats don't help her either. Yeah. No, by the advanced stats... um, you know, the player efficiency rating, which completely ignores defense, but I do like it. By that number, Gray is an average WNBA player, and she's not an elite defender. Um, so No, she is, she is big for a guard, which is a useful element in any defender, but, yeah, she's not great. Yeah, she she's fine, but I'm not going to say, oh, you know, Chelsea, I want you to, you know, go stop Arike here. Yeah, um, though that's a good matchup for her. But still, I, 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 I didn't even really have Gray did not make my um, reserve list. I thought Bria Hartley is a far superior to player 
than Chelsea Gray off of what's happened the first half of this season. Yeah, well, we can get to the bench later on. Should we do the rest of the starters in, in the front court? I, I agree. I think that's a good idea. Okay, so in the front court, whereas I had two guards that definitely made it, I had four front court players that definitely made it. Yeah, I, I'm going to use my psychic powers here, and I'm betting I can predict who they are. Okay, go for the four. Um, I'm. Uh, let's see. I, I hear that Stewart kid in Seattle is pretty good. <laughs> yep. Um, Asia Wilson. Yep. Alyssa Thomas. Nope. Ooh. Okay. Then Dewana Bonner and Maisha Hines Allen. Nope. Nope. Oh. <laughs> Maybe there we not. go. <laughs> Some different. Okay. Let's go for it. Who you got? Okay. The other two I had as definites were Candice Parker and Nafisa Collier. Okay, so I think we might have some uh, conversation going on here. I, I hey, by the way, I, I like both of those players. They're both really good. Um, can't argue. You couldn't argue that. Oh, Heinzelin, you know, is worse, or Bonner's worse, or whoever. Um, yeah, um, Parker. I, li- I like Parker. I think she did a really, you know, she's done a really nice job. She's a really good player and. Uh, She's not as good a defender, I don't think, as some of these others. She's a little older, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been writing about Candice Parker's terrible defense for the best part of a decade. So, yeah, I agree with you there. Um, although she is an awful lot better than she used to be. Um, I just, I think, I do think she's been better this season with the sort of the lack of travel and things like that has, has helped her. She's been far more consistent than we've seen the previous couple of years where mm-hmm. she, tended to be like, she tended to play well when she had a couple of days rest between games and badly when they were on one or less. And she does, she does a lot for LA in terms of rebounding, bringing a ball up the floor, starting the offense, doing everything else. And she's good at pretty much all of it. Um, yeah, I just felt like she deserved to get in this this year. I think both with the numbers and with what you see on the court that she's been too impressive and too big of a part of what LA do to uh, to ignore for me. And and I think that's that's really true. I'm going to make a little case here for um, Dewana Bonner because she's playing on really a bad team that has not much else. You know, you talk about carrying the load and stuff like this. So Candace has got NECA right next to her. You know, she's got, even though Chelsea Gray's not playing great, she's got Chelsea Gray in the backcourt. That's a really strong team. Dewana Bonner and Alyssa Thomas look around and go, you know, if we don't score outscore the other team ourselves, we're probably going to lose. Um, yeah, that's fair. And, and so, you know, Bonner's averaging 18 a game, six rebounds, um, 2.2 assists has a nice assist turnover ratio. She's not shooting three as well, um, which is fair, but she's defending and she has to defend all over the court. So, I, well, let's put it this way. I think Bonner's a starter. We've got six starters and I think she's one of them. Is that, would you I, go along with that? I had her on the bench. I have to admit. Okay. Well she's then she's just below my starters. So, um, 
we've got Stewart and Wilson, and you got uh, Parker, and now you like Nafisha Collier. Yep. And who are your other two? Uh, the other two I had, I agree with you on Heinz Allen. Um, and I had Angel McCautry. I have McCautry too. Um, yeah, she's she's just playing out of her mind. Um, they're spotting minutes for, uh, which is a tremendous, tremendous tactic from Lambier, who is really a wonderful coach. He's not my favorite person, but man, <laughs> he gets the most out of people, and um, he's really really handled McCautry well and she's really good. So I agree with that. So what we're talking about here is Heinz Allen versus Bonner, I guess, and Alyssa Thomas. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thomas and Bonner are literally top of my list for the bench players, but I had, yeah, Parker Collier, McCautry, Heinz Allen, just beating them out. You make a fair point about how much of a load they carry because yeah, especially at the start of the year, they would. It was those two, and virtually nothing else in Connecticut. And it, not much has changed. Um, so I, th- I think you could make a similar kind of argument about load carrying for Nafisa Collier too, right? Though absolutely, yes. Out, she's carrying so much of the load for Minnesota in the front court. But she did have fouls for half a season. This is true. And fouls was incredibly dominant. Um, I mean, the numbers are off the chart. You look at PE, you know, PER, and hers is the best in the league. Um, yeah, so, okay, let's talk. We got Heinz Allen, Dewana Bonner, Alyssa Thomas. One of the three is the starter, which is a, a big honor, and the other two are our top reserves. So, yeah. that, and we don't necessarily have to come to a consensus and agree at the end of this. I, I think we can, ha- we can have our separate teams. Right, and I, but I do think it is worth discussing sort of in comparing these three because they really are interesting players. Um, they're, they're different in so many ways, aside from the fact that Dewana Bonner still looks like a strong wind would blow her over. Uh, I remember seeing her when she was in high school, and if you can imagine, she was 20 pounds lighter. Um, yeah, yeah, but, she, is, she is a thoroughly unique player. It's it's. Hard to, hard to imagine someone like her. But there she is. But now let's look at Heinz Allen a little bit. Heinz Allen um, scores and rebounds, passes the ball, is shooting well. She has more turnovers than assists. And she appears to be a good defender. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure. And then I look at Alyssa Thomas and talk about a unique player here's a two to one assist turnover ratio 1.6 steals per game um you know just gets her points and rebounds and just she's a presence on the court she is like a physical dominant presence that you have to pay attention to every second on the floor um i don't know if that's true of heinz allen yeah i i would be more willing to replace one of my six with Alyssa Thomas than I would be with Bonner. I agree with you that Thomas is an un- unstoppable force and a very, and she does everything for Connecticut in that she plays the four and rebounds and defends, but she's also the leader of their offense an awful lot of the time. 
bringing the ball up and initiating everything and distributing and whatever they needed to do. The only thing that I have would have against it sort of in the cons column is that she started the season off incredibly hot and we were sort of starting to talk about, even on a bad team, whether she was an MVP candidate. And as the rest of the team around her has improved somewhat, she's faded away a little bit in a lot of games. We've had sort of multiple games where she's scored five points or eight points and stuff, things like that, and has not really been the kind of presence that you expect. And maybe some of that's just because she's tired from the amount amount of minutes they're asking her to play game after game. Uh, but, But I think that's taken... That took away from her case for me, and that was possibly why I leaned towards Heinz, Heinz Allen instead. Well, here's the interesting thing to me about Thomas and just sort of, you know, playing pickup for years and years and years. Thomas is averaging 32 points a game, or 32 minutes a game, and all of her points come inside. It's a lot easier to shoot a three than it is to go inside and battle your way through people pounding on you to get to the rim. And I think that Thomas's numbers are penalized, A, by the way Kurt Miller uses her because he just grinds her into the ground. And then B, maybe he has to to do that for her, where I think Heinz Allen might have a little more, a little more rope in that regard, because she's got Misaman and, and Ariel Atkins and other players who can help her out. I mean, Washington haven't had an awful lot in a lot of these games. I mean, there have been a lot of players missing and they've ended up very short of players as well. And Heinz Allen is someone who we've never seen this before. I admit that this was possibly something that's that also makes me lean towards her. We came into this season... She was supposed to be a backup. The starting posts in Washington were meant to be Hawkins and Mieseman. And then was hurt to start the year. And I mean, that's even ignoring that Deladon and Charles and Sanders, everybody else were missing in the beginning. And then Heinz Allen got the start and we saw this player that we had no idea she could do this for 30 minutes a night. She might have been able to do it for 10 as far as we'd seen before. And... Yeah, I mean, obviously that that doesn't mean she deserve it more than a player like Thomas or Bonner, but it it makes her leap off the off the page more to me because this has come out of nowhere. Now that's that's interesting. Okay, so and this is always sort of my fallback argument. So you're sitting in a gym and there's all of the players in the league around and you're going to play a five on five game for $5,000 tonight. Do you take Alyssa Thomas on your team or do you take Heinz Allen? I would, it would somewhat depend on who else I have on my team, but probably Thomas. Yes. Yeah. So that, that's sort of my fallback. Cause I agree totally. Maisha Hans Allen has done a wonderful, had a wonderful season. It's great to see a player like this, but I mean, just as a, a coach or if I were playing, God, I, which is long ago, um, <laughs> me too. I, don't, I don't want anything to do with Alyssa Thomas. She might hurt me as well as beat me. Uh, but yes, I, hurt you emotionally and physically. Yeah. 
Right. <laughs> so, so, but I, you know, if, if Heinz Allen is the starter and Thomas comes off the bench, then, Hey, I don't, I don't think anyone is going to really complain either way. And I do agree as I sort of look into it more, probably Bonner is, is the third of that group. Um, even though by, um, uh, PER, she's the best. Yes, true. But numbers, stats lie sometimes. That they definitely do, yes. Okay, so um, do we want to go back to the uh, reserves on the backcourt or finish up with a frontcourt? Why don't we go back to the reserves in the guards and try and come up with four people to put on the bench? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, um, so as a refresher, I think we kind of settled on Vandersloot, Tarasi, Arike, and Lloyd in that fourth spot, right? So that's kind of right. where we were. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And so I'm gonna say that one reserve, Bria Hartley, definitely to me is a reserve on this team. Can I raise a question? Is she? even the best option among the guards in Phoenix? Uh, yes. She's better than Skylar. Uh, I feel. Because um, she just, you know... Well, hey, here's the number that... And, and this is big for me. Maybe because I was a guard. Maybe because it's, uh, I value this. Hartley's assist turnover ratio is 58-26. Skylar Diggins, who's supposed to be this brilliant point guard, has 56 assists and 43 turnovers. So Diggins is not a point guard. She's a shooting guard, and that's fine. But Hartley has more assists, more rebounds, more points, more steals, has a higher PER, doesn't shoot quite as well. But uh, I, I would say Hartley is better than Skylar Diggins. You see, I, I completely agree with you, but I just wanted you to make the case. <laughs> I, yeah, I just thought Skyler needs to be brought up in this conversation somewhere in terms of especially the bench guards because she's virtually shooting 50, 40, 90. Right. And if you just look at the offensive numbers, she she's hard to ignore. But then you watch the games and so many of those turnovers are Ugly, ugly turnovers, and I think in both in both Hartley and Diggins Smith's cases, their numbers are inflated slightly because they're playing alongside Griner for most of these games and off Terassi as well, which means a lot of these shots are very open. Um, you see this with a lot of people; their numbers go up when they're playing off Brittany Griner because she draws so much attention. She's a pretty good passer when she gets doubles and triple teamed. So, but her shooting numbers are so good that you have to pay some level of attention to that for Diggin Smith, even though, yeah, she was only in the bracket options for my bench in terms of the, uh, the guard reserves as well. Yeah, that, the other thing, too, about Hartley, Diggins, and Tarasi is that Griner changes it defensively. You could be a much better defender on-ball defender when you're playing with Brittany Griner because essentially you can play a half step or a step closer to the person you're guarding because if they break you down Griner's going to protect the rim and it and, really and 
difference. And yet, as I wrote about a week or two ago, Diggin Smith has still managed to be a terrible defender all season long, whether Gride has been behind her or not. Right. I, I, I mean, I think everyone would love Skylar Diggins to be, or Diggin Smith to be a great player because she's got the social media, she's got the look and all of that stuff. But so far, the, she's never quite lived up to the hype. Now, Bria Hartley's sort of come in the other direction because she's been, you know, uh, a punching bag for a lot of her career in the WNBA, but she's had a really good year. And I think the All-Star Game weaknesses of crediting half a season may come into play here. She may regress to the mean, but right now uh, she deserves credit for what she's done. Yeah, I think she's a perfectly reasonable pick, and I did need to find two more from my backup options just to fill out the uh, the guard. <laughs> right, uh, that that is an issue. So, who else you got? Well, the the other ones that I had that I think would make it for me once you move Lloyd into the starters were Kelsey Mitchell and Ali Quigley. I think would would get in. Yeah, I I, I certainly can't argue with either of those I would probably tend to say that Atkins is higher up on the list for me than than Mitchell um, I think because she's a better defender appears to be a better defender um, and is better rebounder and she's a good just as good a shooter though she doesn't shoot as much um, so but yeah, Mitchell, there's certainly no problem. Mitchell has established herself. But then um, are we considering Copper uh, a front court player? Um, I did. I think you could put her in a guard. But, yeah, I have her in the discussion that we're going to have for the, front, for the front court reserves. So this is one of the reasons I always hated this when I used to vote in the WNBA votes, you know, the official thing. They would lock you into positions. And I always felt, hey, let's just pick the best players and go from there. I mean, supposedly we're in a world of positionless basketball. Um, but, but, yeah, I would – the reason I would want to remove Copper to the backcourt is because I think she deserves some kind of mention. Uh, in many cases, in many ways, the same as you're saying about Maisha Hines-Allen. I mean, this has sort of come out of nowhere, and she's a 50-40 shooter. She can't shoot free throws, but she's at 40% from three, 50% from overall. Not a great ball handler, but athletic, a good defender. Um, so the question is, is she a better pick here for the fourth spot than, say, Alamond or Skylar Diggins or... Well, I have three more people in my possible options for guards, so I might as well bring them up here before we move on to the, to the right. main crossover players. I have Raquana Williams, who has produced some impressive numbers, both starting initially and then coming off the bench in LA. I have Alicia Gray, who is Dallas's second best player once you go past Agumba Wale and has been impressive at times as well, albeit on a pretty poor team. And I have Sammy Whitcomb, who is coming off the bench in limited minutes in Seattle, or has been a spot starter at times. Um, no, actually, no, she hasn't. Um, anyway, but has shot the lights out 
for the Storm. And once you start looking into the numbers, even though she's playing, what, 20 minutes a night, her, her advanced stats are ridiculous and would make her in the argument for an all-WNBA team, never mind an all-star team. So I kind of felt she had to be in this discussion somewhere. Yeah, I, I am originally just sort of passed her by, you know, 17 minutes a night. And, um, you know, because, because so much of the game is um, matchups at this level. So much of the game is matchups. And I think Gary Kloppenberg has done a really good job because you don't see Whitcomb in there when her weaknesses will be exposed. She's coming in and, and just spotting minutes here and there where she has an advantage. And they run a lot of stuff for her. Um, when she's in the game, they run um, plays for her, which is really unusual. They never run plays for Alicia Clark, for example. So yeah, the numbers are, are pretty spectacular. I mean, there's there's no, no question about that. And, um, you know, she does a lot of good things. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying she definitely gets in, but I do think she has played at least well enough. And occasionally they've asked her to play point guard as well, which which isn't her position, and she's done it without embarrassing herself. Um, yeah, I just felt like she needed to be at least mentioned along the way for these final couple of guard spots that we're trying to fill. Yeah, I, I think she definitely, you know, deserves to be in in the discussion. Um, Alicia Gray was a name I, I looked at for a little bit, and then I just didn't dig in, dig into her. So let me look at her a little more closely now. Um, she's a good player. You know, the 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 raw numbers aren't that impressive. Eleven point seven points. 4.2 rebounds, shoots it well. Um, she does everything just sort of impressively, quietly. She actually reminds me of another Alicia Clark in Seattle in the way that she just, she sort of gets things done without needing to be a big part of the offense, without needing to take much attention away from everyone else. But, um, yeah, again, she's one I think you mentioned in the discussion, but I don't think anyone would be too upset if she didn't get in, or I don't think she'd be the feature name in a snubs article if she was just off the end of the list. Exactly. And now, you know, and I just compare her to to Copper a little bit, and um, yeah, it's... Yeah, we're, we're digging deep in this, but I mean, I look at Gray again, one of my big numbers. She's got 17 assists and 16 turnovers, and, I, you know, it's just like, wow. Uh, that you, you would expect a, a, a player who's a backcourt player to be able to do a little more than that. Of course, Copper is 29 assists and 34 turnovers, so I'm sort of cutting my own throat uh, <laughs> on that one. Um, yeah, well... Uh, Ariel Atkins. I mean, I yeah, I've I've loved Atkins the last couple of years. I I admit I I think my my opinion there was coloured by hoping for more this season, hoping that she would step into a bigger role with with so many fewer stars on her team, and that she kind of hasn't. She's still been good, is the thing. And whether someone 
you were hoping for more from who was still good is more impressive than someone you weren't expecting to produce who's then stepped up into a bit into a more productive role like Whitcomb has in Seattle is it it's two people coming from two different directions yeah I mean I I, I like to win so I would have Ariel Atkins on my team in a heartbeat over Sammy Whitcomb even though I think Whitcomb is really good at what she does um, yeah, and, and with Atkins, we're ser- I think we're talking about the best defender that we've brought up in this entire group as well. Right, and and she can do everything, um, you know. So, so I, for me, I think Atkins deserves a a, a backup role on our team. Uh, that's one I would go for, um, probably. And the other one we haven't brought up is uh, Julia Alamand, one of your favorites. Um, Julie, I should point not Julie, not Julia. Sorry. So um, you're you're right. I I I have been pushing her case and her her skills for a long time since, especially since being very impressed by her with Belgium at the uh, the World Champs in Tenerife. Um, yeah, she's she's shot the lights out. She's done what Indiana have asked of her to to start the offense and stand on the wing and get out of the way when Kelsey Mitchell wants to score instead. Um, <laughs> the advanced numbers aren't wildly friendly to her because <laughs> she, really. she's shooting really well. She's turning it over too much and not doing an awful lot else. But yeah, she certainly had a really impressive season for someone who counts as a rookie, even though she's obviously not a rookie in the, more traditional sense for someone coming straight out of college. Yeah, she, you know, the, the other thing about her, she's playing for Indiana, which is a pretty dismal group, and um, she's not scoring, but she's a very effective shooter. Good at the line, good for three. Nearly a two-to-one assist turnover ratio. Gets her 1.5 steals. Don't know how good she really is defensively. Um, not great. And, uh, yeah, she doesn't look great defensively but those 5.5 assists per game i mean that's that's a lot <laughs> and uh um so i i'm i'm I, I, yeah i don't know that she should be there but i certainly would have her in the in the conversation with alicia gray and people like that um, if we agree that Atkins is on, I think we've sort of come to four reserves, Hartley, Kelsey Mitchell, Quigley, and Ariel Atkins. So somehow- Yeah, I would, I would have no, no objection to those being the four, but yeah. Everyone yeah. else we've mentioned with Chelsea Gray and Raquana Williams and Diggin Smith and Whitcomb and Gray and Alamont, yeah, they're all in the discussion, but yeah, it's, it's a toss up in a lot of cases with a lot of these players. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think we can sort of pause with that group right there and move back to the front court. And yep. I'm, I'm yeah. going to bring up a name right now that we haven't yet, only indirectly, and that's Brittany Griner. Yeah, she's on my list. Why, you know, okay, she left for personal reasons or whatever, but, our, you know, we don't know anything. Why should that disqualify her from even being one of the starters? Well, I, I didn't disqualify her from being one of the starters. I just don't think she makes the six, uh, to be honest. 
Um, yeah, I mean, she was on my list, and then I started looking at it and thinking about it, and felt like sort of McCautry, Heinz, Allen, Collier deserved to be above her. Yeah, that's 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 um, that's interesting. I mean, I'm just looking at her w- with Collier, and yeah, the numbers are yeah. Collier can shoot a few threes. Yeah, you know, it, and here is just really the hard thing about Griner. Uh, again, it's sort of like if you were playing that mythical pickup game for five grand, she would probably be one of your first picks. Um, and she impacts the game in so many ways because of her ability to block shots. Uh, rim protection changes everything for a team's defensive schemes and abilities. And there is no rim protector like Griner. I mean, people don't even take shots because she's there. They um, didn't used to. This, this, um, this may be part of what pushed me to put her on the bench rather than the start. She's not the impact defender that she was sort of her second, third, fourth year in the league. But Phoenix don't revolve around her defensively as much as they probably ought to and maybe could. And teams shoot in the paint on Phoenix more than you would expect. And yeah, Phoenix aren't a good defensive team, even though she's there and haven't been for years. And yeah, so I'm less inclined to give her that much credit for the defensive presence that she provides because I, it's another one where I take marks off because I would love to see more and I don't think we do. I don't think we see everything that we could see from her. Yeah, I'm going to jump in here because I was about to say something very similar, Richard, that I think she's a player that kind of, um, you know, loses some clout in this debate because you expect more from her. You expect her to be putting up kind of like the type of numbers we were seeing from Sylvia Fowles defensively, whereas she just hasn't had that dominant presence. And Griner's a player you would expect to be dominating. So when she's not, she kind of starts to fall out of that, you know, kind of all-star type season because it's just expected that her numbers are going to be up there with the best. Yeah, I mean, she's still impossible to ignore as an all-star player. Mm-hmm. She, she, I think she has to be on this team somewhere. Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't think she make for me. I don't think she makes the top six of the front court players. Okay, a, a couple of things because one of this, you guys just sort of pushed one of my buttons, and I learned this early on when I was coaching, coaching softball in the high school, and oddly enough, I had a granddaughter of Joe DiMaggio on a, a great granddaughter, something she was on the team and she could crush the ball every once in a while. And it looked so easy when she did it and she could throw, she could do everything, but she wasn't consistent. And at the time I thought, God, play, what's wrong with you? It looks so easy. It's so easy for you. Well, it isn't easy for her. And just because she has certain skills that we expect, doesn't mean that she wasn't a really good player, which she was. And we look at Brittany Griner, we go, hey, she should be a better rebounder. She's 6'7". Look at that. Look how easy she got that rebound. Well, yeah, but she's still great. Maybe she isn't what you think she should be, but 17-7 a game, 7.5 rebounds, 3 assists. She's got more points than fouls, shooting nearly 50% from the field, over 80% from the line more assists than turnovers, um, still blocking shots. Uh, and a, re- a rebound percentage at 14%. Uh, 
and it's, I mean, a block percentage that's lower than Azare Stevens, Stephanie Dolson, Bella Allery. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, I, I can, I can go with that. I mean, all of that certainly makes sense that you would expect her to block more shots than Bella Allery, but I'm going to come back on the block shot too. Is after a while, you just don't shoot against somebody. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, you just put, you go in there, you're, I'm at the elbow and I'm going to leave. I remember the first time I ever saw Griner when she was 16 years old and playing in a tournament in Virginia and some kid wound up for a three and Griner started in the lane, took one step, jumped up in the air and blocked the shot out of the girl's hand. I mean, you, you, you change your game when Brittany Griner's in there. You don't change your game when Bella Ellery is in there. So, but I do take your point. She's not as effective as we think she should be. But does that mean we should penalize her? Because what she is is awfully damn good. I uh, yeah, I don't disagree. Uh, like I said, she's for me. She's an absolute, definite all-star just this year, not a starter. Yep. Okay. I think we could. I would probably put her in over maybe Collier or Heinz Allen, but I certainly could agree that this year maybe she can come off the bench. Uh, certainly anchor your second defensive unit. So that would be three front court backups, Thomas, Bonner, and Greiner. Yep, all on my list. And how many more do we have to go here? Well, the, there are five. They ask for five front court reserves and four anything reserves. Um on my particular list, that means we've got nine front court reserves. But <laughs> I'm with you on that one. So, so we're just going to pick from this point on. We're just going to pick the best players we feel who need to be considered. Yeah, well, I mean, the, to to start us off, the other two that I had after Thomas Bonner and Griner and the front court reserves were Copper, who we obviously talked about a bit already, and Alicia Clark, who I think deserves it for everything she's done in Seattle so far this season. Um, I, I like Clark, um, and I, th I think that, yeah, there's some stuff she does that's tremendous, but um, I, I sort of like Derek Hamby, too. Yep, she's on the next list that I had for players that made it as the, uh, the, the free picks. Yeah, whether, which one she would, which way around you would have it, yeah, you could certainly argue about. Yeah, I mean, because Hamby Hamby is... is does a little more she plays 27 and a half minutes a game so it's like she's a starter i think you know yeah i agree off the bench and that sort of detracts from it but it's she's not like sammy whitcomb in terms of being a bench player she's essentially a starter and a very good defender um and i i'm on the alicia clark bandwagon but she's getting older now i think she's 33 and uh, i was watching her and she's not quite She's losing quickness. She's not quite the defender she was a couple of years ago. She's still really good, but, um, you know, she was a post player yep. all through college. So she had to learn to play out on the perimeter. And uh, I think, you know, she doesn't have a lot of margin on that. However, I do have to say, you've only got 14 turnovers all year long. That's pretty damn impressive for, for Alicia Clark. I mean, she's really a smart player. Certainly can't argue with her, but I would say that for me, Hamby is going to be probably next on this list. Yeah, that's, I can totally see that. Uh, yeah, I have a 
an unending fondness for players like Clark who do all the little stuff, all the the grunt work that a lot of the stars don't have. She's she's surrounded by players like Lloyd and Bird and Stewart in in Seattle, and she's the one who defends the primary perimeter option, who gets in amongst all of the fighting, gets tough rebounds, shoots threes, shoots layups, free throws. Everything she does is efficient and exactly what you want a player to do. But yes, I can see the the argument for someone like Hamby who scores inside and out and does what Vegas needed to do as well. You know, Clark is the the kind of player that that uh, coaches who like fundamentals love. Her footwork yeah. in in the paint is impeccable. She can score with either hand. She's got every move she needs inside. She's 5'11", and she's going to go inside, and she's going to punish a 6'1 kid. Now, you guard her with Griner. She's not going to score in there. But you give her a matchup, in, a matchup advantage in the paint, hey, just uh, start running down court because she's going to score. She can shoot threes. She's, and she, again, so fundamentally sound. And, and there are very few players that are, and you would be surprised how fundamentally unsound so many WNBA players are. I remember when I was covering the league all the time, there was a player named Anna DeForge who was a, um, like a 6'1 forward who actually did something pretty much like um, Clark has done, transferring from a post player to a wing player. And she told me one time, she said, you know, there are so many WNBA players who can only pivot off of one foot. They can't pivot with their left foot as their pivot foot. And, and she said, I could just force people so many ways. And a lot of WNBA players cannot make an offhand layup. They, yeah, they, I was going to mention how one-handed so many players are. Yeah. Well, they've never had to be, and nobody ever forced them to learn to, to shoot with the other hand. And I'll just tell a boring little story here. Tedra Holland Korn, who played in the league, um, and when I was covering the Monarchs all the one time, she had a breakaway layup and she sort of dribbled around and took a right-handed layup than a le- rather than a left-handed layup. And, and she made the shot, but she had to go over a defender. And so I sort of teased her about it after the game. And a couple games later, she got a steal, went down the court and made the left-handed layup and sort of looked at me over on the bench and said, see, I can do that. It was, it was pretty funny, but most of them, it's, it's amazing. So all credit to Alicia Clark because having a complete game makes you so much better a player and so many young players don't even realize that. Yeah, I'm going to add one more fun stat to the Alicia Clark debate and then we can move on. But I saw this earlier today and was like extremely impressed by it. She's third in the league in wind chairs right now. It's Stuart, Vandersloot, and then Clark. That's your top three in the wind chairs in the league right now. Um, so this kind of speaks to how impressive her game has been all over yeah. the court. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it helps to be on the best team in the league. She's ahead of anyone else in Seattle in terms of, you know, you've got to go further down the list to find Wickham and Lloyd. And right. Yeah, yeah I, I think she's, you know, you're, if you were going to define glue player, that would be Alicia Clark. And it's unfortunate that it's happening this season because I don't think she's ever been an all-star before and she may never be again. And that means she won't get that on her resume. And yeah. Yeah, it, because it has, has happens to have happened in a year where we're not having an all-star game. Yeah, that is that is unfortunate. As I said long ago, whenever we started, um, it's it's uh, it would just be great. Let's just name the all-stars. Let's not play the stupid game. Yeah, there's, there's no reason not to have the teams. Absolutely, it would have 
it would have got all of the fans involved in the season as well because there obviously would have been fan voting before there were media or anyone else involved in any of this. Right. Well, and now back to our list. I think there's one more player that probably is here, and that's been not um, Benaya Laney, if I can say her name. Um, yeah, she's on, she's on my list of, of the swing players as well. Because she's certainly had had a really good season. Another one who's really developed her game. And I do give a, I do appreciate the fact that players go out and work on their game and make themselves into better players. Alicia Clark, a perfect example. Um, Laney's there. The other one we haven't mentioned is Neka Ogwomake. Also on my list. Yes, you're, you're, you're running through them and we're agreeing too much again. But, but uh, the weird thing about Neka is you go to LA's stats and she has some very strange numbers in that in terms of advanced stats, she's great. PR, right. uh, you know, wind shares lover, defensive wind shares, she's right up there. But then she's averaging bet, like less than five rebounds a game. For Necker okay, which seems insane. And she's only playing 25 minutes, which is bizarre as well. And averaging a ridiculous sort of 61% from the floor, but but taking less than eight shots a game. This it's it's just strange the numbers she's putting up. She's probably still an all-star, but the numbers are odd. Yes, the numbers, this is again where statistics sort of break it down. The other thing about her, of course, is she is a superb defender. And um, that, that really helps. And she's also really often asked to defend out of position when they, when they go big. And, you know, she was winding up guarding a small forward or something. She's just such a good player. And, and it's almost sort of an Alicia Clark kind of thing. I mean, she's a glue player. She's really intelligent. She does everything you need to be doing on the court. And again, another little coachly thing. One of the things you always look for as a coach is, are you standing in the right spot on the floor? You know, have you run the play right? Have you rotated properly defensively? And NECA is always in the right spot. And, uh, also the league's single best flopper as well. I think that needs to be added. In. It's a great underrated skills. People get upset about floppers and, and all of that. And it's like, hold it. This is a skill that is a value to your team. Now, you may think it's borderline unsportsmanlike, but I don't care if that's the way the game is played and it's a skill. Um, I got in big trouble one time when I said, yeah, we sort of teach kids to fall down on contact. And it was in a coach's clinic and all the other coaches going, what? You're cheating. You're teaching people to cheat. No, this is life. (laughs) You know, they give you an advantage. You take it. Yeah. You're teaching kids to play by what the rules currently are. Yeah. Yeah. I've got no problem with that. (laughs) Yeah. It's like framing pitches in baseball. If that's not, that's just like, so I give credit for flopping, unlike many people who are disgusted by it. Um, but I, I would say NECA and Laney are, are right there for me. Um, I like both of them on the team. Uh, or do we have an, is that, how many do we have? We have that means you need one more. We have one more player left, yes. Yeah, well. I can give you the name that I have written down. Okay, go for it. Misaman. 
Oh yeah, I don't know why I didn't even think of her. Um, yeah. Again, I, the numbers well, aren't great once you start digging deeper in, but with all of the players that Washington have missed and then the players that they've lost along the way with powers going down, they lost a lot of her and she hasn't exactly stepped up into a sort of the MVP type player that they'd have liked her to have become, but she's done a lot of it. She's still been good. And yeah, that got her the, the final spot in the, the swing spots for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we're, you know, we're sort of running out of, of players here because you're right. Miesemann's numbers aren't that good. And that also may be a testament to how good she really is because if you take away Deladon, then now Miesemann maybe is being exposed a little bit. Um, but then again, I think she's a wonderful player. I love watching her play. The eye test is, is really good for her. Don't, I, I don't have never had a sense of how good a defender she is. Um, the numbers don't really help her on, on that, but you know, that she's a, she's a reasonable choice at this spot. Um, yeah, I, I think that, that, that's a good one. The only one I maybe Alamand or, or Alicia Gray or Whitcomb would be the only other one to slide into that spot. Yeah, I mean, the other front court players that I had on my big list before I sort of started paring it down were Azra Stevens and Cheyenne Parker have both been good in Chicago. Right. And, and Indiana fans might also mention Candice Dupree if we're just going to look at offensive numbers. Um, I, I, I'm going to have to draw the line at Candice, who is a great player and made a business decision earlier in her career that she was going to play for a long time and make a lot of money and never contact anyone on the court unless they ran into her. Yes, and only play one end of the floor. Yes, right. That, right. that is something of an issue. I agree. And, and uh, you know, hey, is she a really good, really skilled player, as good a mid-range shooter as you're going to see in the game? Yes, but... Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, she is a name where whenever I've made these lists over the years, and I've done it quite a lot for for all-star teams, for end-of-season awards, for things like that. She's someone I always feel I need to put on the initial list because (laughs) numbers say you should. And then when you're actually pairing it down to make the picks, she's one that I cross off pretty easily because the eye test and the defense and everything else just makes me not want to actually pick her when it comes down to it. Yeah, so it's a similar kind of thing. But I would say Misaman would be a good one to, to fill it out. Um, Azaree Stevens is, yeah, is right there. It's fine. But. Yeah, this happens every year. You get down to the end of the list and you go, nah, I guess somebody. Yeah, there was a, uh, I was in the newspaper business for a long time. And the thing about the newspaper business is you have a certain number of pages every day and you have to fill the news space every day, regardless of whether there's enough news or not. So basically, yeah. many days what you did was it came down to in the newsroom, you would say, all right, time to stuff the turkey. And <laughs> we're going to put something in there. We don't know what it is. And I feel like... We're, we're stuffing the turkey right here in the front court. And this is where all those missing players are. 
you know, Tina Charles, um, Della Don, the list goes on. Um, that, John Quill Jones, yeah. John Quill Jones, you just, you just keep going. I mean, we wouldn't be arguing about whether Misaman or, or Gwumake or Laney were on this team if we had those guys. We'd, it, it would be a lot easier. But I'm happy with this list. I, I think this is uh, covered. Yeah, I, I think we got in. We had the the occasional disagreement, but ultimately, I I think a lot of the team becomes fairly clear. Yeah, certainly a lot of the roster. You can argue about sort of the, the details of who starts, who doesn't, things like that. But a lot of the roster is pretty pretty self evident. And it, it is really interesting. Not only did we notice the disparity in backcourt and frontcourt, but even though we didn't do it that way, the difference between the West and the East is is pretty pronounced. Um, the Western teams, for whatever reason, have a lot more talent, just like in the NBA right now. No, no good reason why. But, well, I mean, you see the same thing if you just look at the standings. There's only one team with a record above 500 in the Eastern Conference. Oh, right. And, uh, yeah. And they had New York. And you would think that if you, you got to play New York a bunch and Atlanta a bunch, you would be able to win games. Well, everyone plays each other the exact same amount of times these days in this league. But oh, I, 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 forgot I, I still take your point. But, yeah, I mean, I, we did not bring the Liberty up an awful lot in this. <laughs> and so I, I did I, I did look at them to try and see if I could come up with an all-star from the Liberty. And well, I mean... I mean, in her two games, she was pretty good. Yeah, I don't think that's quite enough of a sample size to sneak her in. Yeah, it's it. Uh, and and there's another name of a player. If Sabrina had stayed healthy all year, it's yeah, yeah, pretty hard to imagine that she wouldn't have. I don't know if she would have started, but she certainly would have been in discussion for uh, being on the on the team. Yeah, I mean, with fan voting, she might well have got in as a starter. Who knows? But yeah, it's a shame that we didn't we didn't get to see it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, because she's not a good defender, never will be. But neither was Tarasi. But aside from that, I mean, obviously she can do she can do a few things. I had my doubts as to whether she the athleticism in the league would would have really overwhelm her. But that clearly is not the case. She's right there with them. So. But yeah, hey, this is a good-looking team, and uh, then, then of course you'd have the the draft and uh, and try to balance it out. But uh, yeah, there's it's it, and it is interesting to say that you know what people we have on this this team like Kalea Copper and Maisha Hines Allen, you know, players who really taken advantage of, as you mentioned, the opportunity. They just jumped in and hey, now all of a sudden they've really created a career for themselves. Yeah, there are, there are a few players who have made themselves an awful lot of money this season, essentially. I mean, Benigel Laney's going to get well paid as well. Yeah, these The ones who've taken the biggest advantage of those of the players stepping out and then they, they've gotten a lot more minutes and a lot more opportunity to take shots and they, des- they deserve to get in. It's a shame we're not going to have this game. Well, hey, the Her Hoop Stats All-Star Awards, don't pretend out like a big trophy and uh, all of that stuff. Uh, I'm not sure that's in the budget. <laughs> yeah, not quite sure that we got the budget for that, but do I we, do have one. 
final question for you guys to kind of wrap it up in terms of, you know, every year, right, they have the all-star captains as well. And kind of, you know, usually the two players that get the most fan votes, but just in general, we can do it as the two best players on this list. Who would be your two You're going to make me pick two out of the three is your problem here, you see. Because yep. <laughs> I, I, I think it's, it's two from Stuart Wilson and Vandersloot for me, but which two, I, uh, I don't know. I'm going with the guard. I'm small. You're small, Richard. You say you're 5'6", I'm 5'8". We've got to pick the guard. Well, then which of the forwards are you taking? Who are you leaving out? Oh, I'm taking Stuart. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Let's go with Stuart and Vandersloot. I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll end this on agreement rather than argument. That's fine with me. <laughs> yeah. Wilson has, is going to have more opportunities. She's the youngest of the three. So step aside for a while. <laughs> I mean, the youngest of the three by a year, right? It's just one year behind Stewie. So <laughs> lots of young talent that's going to have yeah plenty of years to be on the top of these debates, though. So, well, Megan, I appreciate your patience in uh, listening to us ramble on. Uh, <laughs> no worries. <laughs> no, you're meant to say we weren't rambling. You're not meant to say no, no worries. You're meant to say this, this was all fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> no rambling at all. No, but yeah, no, it was really interesting, guys. I appreciate you guys doing all the research, hopping on this week. Um, yeah, I'm sure our listeners are going to enjoy it, too. So thanks for joining. Hey, thanks for having us. Well, that's it for today. Make sure if you like what you're hearing on the podcast that you subscribe, rate, um, review, wherever you're listening. It helps more people find us. Also, if you like our content, make sure you're subscribed to the Her Hoop Says newsletter. It's free and gets all of our best content directly into your inbox, um, typically five days a week. And then also make sure you check out the stats site at herhoopstats.com. Thank you all for listening.